Welcome to Volume 6 of The Scarecrow of Oz. Chapter 12 The Wooden-Legged Grasshopper Now it so happened that Trot, from the window of her room, had witnessed the meeting of the lovers in the garden, and had seen the king come and drag Gloria away. The little girl's heart went out in sympathy for the poor princess, who seemed to her to be one of the sweetest and loveliest young ladies she had ever seen. So she crept along the passages, and from a hidden niche saw Gloria locked in her room. The key was still in the lock, so when the king had gone away, followed by Googly Goo, Trot stole up to the door, turned the key, and entered. The princess lay prone upon a couch, sobbing bitterly. Trot went up to her and smoothed her hair and tried to comfort her. Don't cry, she said. I've unlocked the door so you can go away any time you want to. It is a fat, sobbed the princess. I'm unhappy because they will not let me love Pon, the gardener's boy. Well, never mind. Pon isn't any great shakes anyway, it seems to me, said Trot soothingly. There are lots of other people you can love. Gloria rolled over on the couch and looked at the little girl reproachfully. Pon has won my heart. I can't help loving him, she explained. Then, with sudden indignation, she added, But I will never love Googly Goo, never, as long as I live. I should say not, replied Trot. Pon may not be much good, but old Googly is very, very bad. Hunt around. I'm sure you'll find somebody worth your love. You're very pretty, you know, and almost anybody ought to love you. You don't understand, my dear, said Gloria, as she wiped the tears from her eyes with a dainty lace handkerchief bordered with pearls. When you are older, you will realize that a young lady cannot decide whom she will love or choose the most worthy. Her heart alone decides for her and whomsoever her heart selects, she must love, whether he amounts to much or not. Now Trot was a little puzzled by this speech, which seemed altogether unreasonable. But she made no reply, and presently Gloria's grief softened, and she began to question the little girl about herself and her adventures. Trot told her how they had happened to come to Jinxland, and all about Cap'n Bill, and the Orc, and Pessum, and the Bumpy Man. While they were thus conversing together, getting more and more friendly as they became better acquainted, in the council chamber, the king and Googly Goo were talking with the wicked witch. This evil creature was old and ugly. She had lost one eye and wore a black patch over it, so the people of Jinxland had nicknamed her Blinky. Of course, witches are forbidden to exist in the land of Oz, but Jinxland was so far removed from the center of Ozma's dominions and so absolutely cut off from it by the steep mountains and beyond the bottomless gulf that the laws of Oz were not obeyed very well in that country. So there were several witches in Jinxland who were the terror of the people, but King Cruel favored them and permitted them to exercise their evil sorcery. Blinky was the leader of all the other witches and therefore the most hated and feared. The king used her witchcraft at times to assist him in carrying out his cruelties and revenge, but he was always obliged to pay Blinky large sums of money or heaps of precious jewels before she would undertake an enchantment. This made him hate the old woman almost as much as his subjects did, 
But today, Lord Googly Goo had agreed to pay the witch's price, so the king greeted her with gracious favor. Can you destroy the love of Princess Gloria for the gardener's boy? inquired his majesty. The wicked witch thought about this before she replied. That's a hard question to answer. I can do lots of clever magic, but love is a stubborn thing to conquer. When you think you've killed it, it's liable to bob up again as strong as ever. I believe love and cats have nine lives. In other words, killing love is a hard job, even for a skillful witch. But I believe I can do something that will answer your purpose just as well. And what is that? asked the king. I can freeze the girl's heart. I've got a special incantation for that. And when Gloria's heart is thoroughly frozen, she can no longer love Pon. Just the thing! exclaimed Googly Goo. And the king was likewise much pleased. They bargained a long time as to the price, but finally the old courier agreed to pay the wicked witch's demands. It was arranged that they would take Gloria to Blinky's house the next day to have her heart frozen. Then King Cruel mentioned to the old hag the strangers who had that day arrived in Jinxland, and said to her, I think the two children, the boy and the girl, are unable to harm me, but I have a suspicion that the wooden-legged man is a powerful wizard. The witch's face wore a troubled look when she heard this. If you are right, she said, this wizard might spoil my incantation and interfere with me in other ways. So it will be best for me to meet this stranger at once and match my magic against his to decide which is the stronger. All right, said the king. Come with me and I'll lead you to the old man's room. Googly Goo did not accompany them as he was obliged to go home and get the money and jewels he had promised to pay old Blinky. So the other two climbed several flights of stairs and went through many passages until they came to the room occupied by Captain Bill. The sailor man, finding his bed soft and inviting, and being tired with the adventures that he had experienced, had decided to take a nap. When the wicked witch and the king softly opened his door and entered, Captain Bill was snoring with such vigor that he did not hear them at all. Blinky approached the bed and with her one eye anxiously stared at the sleeping stranger. Ah, she said in a soft whisper. I believe you're right, King Cruel. The man looks to me like a very powerful wizard, but by good luck I have caught him asleep, so I shall transform him before he awakes, giving him such a form that he will be unable to oppose me. Careful, cautioned the king who was speaking low. If he discovers what you're doing, he may destroy you, and that would annoy me greatly because I need you to attend to Gloria. But the wicked witch realized as well as he did that she must be very careful. She carried over her arm a black bag, from which she now drew several packets carefully wrapped in paper. Three of these she selected, replacing the others in the bag. Two of the packets she mixed together, and then she cautiously opened the third. Better stand back, your majesty, she advised. For if this powder falls on you, you might be transformed yourself. The king retreated hastily to the end of the room. As Blinky mixed the third powder with the others, she waved her hands over it, mumbled a few words, and then backed away as quickly as she could. Captain Bill was slumbering peacefully, all unconscious of what was going on. 
A great cloud of smoke rolled over the bed and completely hid him from view. When the smoke rolled away, both Blinky and the king saw that the body of the stranger had quite disappeared, while in his place, crouching in the middle of the bed, was a little gray grasshopper. One curious thing about this grasshopper was that the last joint of its left leg was made of wood. Another curious thing, considering it was a grasshopper, was that it began talking, crying out in a tiny but sharp voice. Here, you people, what do you mean treating me so? Put me back where I belong at once, or you'll be sorry. The cruel king turned pale at hearing the grasshopper's threats, but the wicked witch merely laughed in derision. Then she raised her stick and aimed a vicious blow at the grasshopper. But before the stick struck the bed, the tiny hopper made a marvelous jump. Marvelous indeed, when we consider that it had a wooden leg. It rose into the air and sailed across the room and passed right through the open window where it disappeared from their view. Good, shouted the king. We are well rid of this desperate wizard. And then they both laughed heartily at the success of the incantation and went away to complete their horrid plans. After Trot had visited a time with Princess Gloria, the little girl went to Button Bright's room but did not find him there. Then she went to Captain Bill's room, but he was not there because the witch and king had been there before her. So she made her way downstairs and questioned the servants. They said they had seen the little boy go out into the garden some time ago, but the old man with the wooden leg they had not seen at all. Therefore Trot, not knowing what else to do, rambled through the great gardens, seeking for Button Bright or Cap'n Bill, and not finding either of them. This part of the garden which lay before the castle was not walled in, but extended to the roadway, and the paths were open to the edge of the forest. So after two hours of vain search for her friends, the little girl returned to the castle. But at the doorway a soldier stopped her. I live here, said Trot. So it's all right to let me in. The king has given me a room. Yeah, well, he's taking it back again, was the soldier's reply. His majesty's orders are to turn you away if you attempt to enter. I'm also ordered to forbid the boy, your companion, to enter again the king's castle. What about Captain Bill? she inquired. He seems to have mysteriously disappeared, replied the soldier, shaking his head ominously. Where he has gone to, I can't make out. But I can assure you, he's no longer in this castle. I'm sorry, little girl, to disappoint you. Don't blame me. I must obey my master's orders. Now all her life, Trot had been accustomed to depend on Captain Bill. So when this good friend was suddenly taken from her side, she felt very miserable and forlorn indeed. She was brave enough not to cry before the soldier, or even to let him see her grief and anxiety. But after she was turned away from the castle, she sought a quiet bench in the garden, and for a time sobbed as if her heart would break. It was Button Bright who found her at last, just as the sun had set, and the shades of evening were falling. He also had been turned away from the king's castle when he tried to enter it, and in the park he came across Trot. Never mind, said the boy. We can find a place to sleep. I want Captain Bill wailed the girl. Well, so do I, was the reply. But we haven't got him. Where do you suppose he is, Trot? I don't suppose anything. He's gone, and that's all I know about it. Button Bright sat on the bench beside her, 
and thrust his hands into the pockets of his knickerbockers. Then he reflected somewhat gravely for him. Captain Bill isn't around here, he said, letting his eyes wander over the dim garden. So we must go somewhere else if we want to find him. Besides, it's getting dark fast. And if we want to find a place to sleep, we must get busy while we can see where we're going. He rose from the bench as he said this, and Trot also jumped up, drying her eyes on her apron. Then she walked beside him out of the grounds of the king's castle. They did not go by the main path, but passed through an opening in a hedge, and found themselves on a small but well-worn roadway. Following this for some distance, along a winding way, they came upon no house or building that would afford them refuge for the night. It became so dark that they could scarcely see their way, and finally Trot stopped and suggested that they camp under a tree. All right, said Button Bright. I've often found that leaves make a good warm blanket. But look there, Trot. Isn't that a light flashing over yonder? It certainly is, Button Bright. Let's go over and see if it's a house. Whoever lives there couldn't treat us any worse than the king did. To reach the light, they had to leave the road. So they stumbled over hillocks and brushwood, hand in hand, keeping the tiny speck of light always in sight. They were rather forlorn little waifs, outcasts in a strange country, and forsaken by their only friend and guardian, Captain Bill. So they were very glad when they finally reached a small cottage, and looking in through the window, saw Pon, the gardener's boy, sitting by a fire of twigs. As Trot opened the door and walked boldly in, Pon sprang up to greet them. They told him of Captain Bill's disappearance and how they had been turned out of the king's castle. As they finished the story, Pon shook his head sadly. King Cruel is a plotting mischief, I fear, he said. For today he sent for old Blinky, the wicked witch, and with my own eyes I saw her come out from the castle and hobble away toward her hut. She had been with the king and Googly Goo. I was afraid they were going to work some enchantment on Gloria so she'd no longer love me. But perhaps the witch was only called to the castle to enchant your friend Cotton Bill. Could she do that? asked Trot, horrified by the suggestion. I suppose so, for old Blinky can do a lot of wicked magical things. What sort of enchantment could she put on Cotton Bill? I don't know, but he's disappeared. So I'm pretty certain she's done something dreadful to him. Don't worry. If it has happened, it can't be helped. And if it hasn't happened, we may be able to find him in the morning. With this, Pon went to the cupboard and brought food for them. Trot was far too worried to eat, but Button Bright made a good supper from the simple food and then laid down before the fire and went to sleep. The little girl and the gardener's boy, however, sat for a long time staring into the fire, busy with their thoughts. But at last Trot too became sleepy, and Pon gently covered her with the one blanket he possessed. Then he threw more wood onto the fire and lay himself down before it, next to Button Bright. Soon all three were fast asleep. They were in a good deal of trouble, but they were young, and sleep was good to them, because for a time it made them forget. Chapter 13 Glinda the Good and the Scarecrow of Oz. That country south of the Emerald City, in the land of Oz, is known as the Quadling Country, and in the very southernmost part of it stands a splendid palace in which lives Glinda the Good. 
Glinda is the royal sorceress of Oz. She has wonderful magical powers and uses them only to benefit the subjects of Ozma's kingdom. Even the famous Wizard of Oz pays tribute to her, for Glinda taught him all the real magic he knows, and she is still his superior in all sorts of sorcery. Everyone loves Glinda, from the dainty and exquisite ruler, Ozma, down to the humblest inhabitant of Oz, for she is always kind and helpful and willing to listen to their troubles, however busy she may be. No one knows her age, but all can see how beautiful and stately she is. Her hair is like red gold and finer than the finest silken strands. Her eyes are as blue as the sky and always frank and smiling. Her cheeks are the envy of peach blows, and her mouth is enticing as a rosebud. Glinda is tall and wears splendid gowns that trail behind her as she walks. She wears no jewels, for her beauty would shame them. For attendance, Glinda has half a hundred of the loveliest girls in Oz. They are gathered from all over Oz, from among the Winkies, the Munchkins, the Gillikins, and the Quadlings, as well as from Ozma's magnificent Emerald City, and it is considered a great favor to be allowed to serve the royal sorceress. Among the many wonderful things in Glinda's palace is the Great Book of Records. In this book is inscribed everything that takes place in all the world just the instant as it happens, so that by referring to its pages, Glinda knows what is taking place far and near, in every country that exists. In this way, she learns when and where she can help any in distress or in danger, and although her duties are confined to assisting those who inhabit the land of Oz, she is always interested in what takes place in the unprotected outside world. So it was that on a certain evening, Glinda sat in her library, surrounded by a bevy of her maids, who were engaged in spinning and weaving and embroidery, when an attendant announced the arrival at the palace of the Scarecrow. This personage was one of the most famous and popular in all the land of Oz. His body was merely a suit of munchkin clothes, stuffed with straw, but his head was a round sack filled with bran, with which the Wizard of Oz had mixed some magic brains of a very superior sort. The eyes, nose, and mouth of the scarecrow were painted upon the front of the sack, as were his ears. And since this quaint being had been endowed with life, the expression of his face was very interesting, if somewhat comical. The scarecrow was good all the way through, even to his brains. And while he was naturally awkward in his movements and lacked the neat symmetry of other people, his disposition was so kind and considerate, and he was so obliging and honest, that all who knew him loved him, and there were few people in Oz who had not met our Scarecrow and made his acquaintance. He lived part of the time in Ozma's palace at the Emerald City, part of the time in his own corncob castle in the Winky Country, and part of the time he traveled all over Oz, visiting with people and playing with children, whom he loved dearly. It was on one of his wandering journeys that the Scarecrow had arrived at Glinda's palace, and the sorceress at once made him welcome. As he sat beside her, talking of his adventures, he asked, Well, what's new in the way of news? Glinda opened her great book of records and read some of the last pages. Here is quite a curious and interesting item, she announced. Three people from the outside world have arrived in Jinxland. Where is Jinxland? inquired the scarecrow. Very near, a little to the east of us, she said. In fact, 
Jinxland is a little slice taken off the Quadling country, but separated from it by a range of high mountains, at the foot of which lies a wide, deep gulf that is supposed to be impassable. Then Jinxland is really part of the land of Oz, he said. Yes, said Glinda. But Oz people know nothing of it, except what is recorded here in my book. What does the book say about it? asked the Scarecrow. It is ruled by a wicked man called King Cruel, although he has no right to that title. Most of the people are good, but they are very timid and live in constant fear of their fierce ruler. There are also several wicked witches who keep the inhabitants of Jinxland in a state of terror. Do those witches have any magical powers? inquired the Scarecrow. Yes, they seem to understand witchcraft in its most evil form. One of them has just transformed a respectable old sailor, one of the strangers who arrived there, into a grasshopper. This same witch, Blinky by name, is also planning to freeze the heart of a beautiful Jinxland girl named Princess Gloria. Why, that's a dreadful thing to do, exclaimed the Scarecrow. Glinda's face was very grave. She read in her book how Trot and Button Bright were turned out of the king's castle, and how they found refuge in the hut upon the gardener's boy. I'm afraid those helpless earth people will endure much suffering in Jinxland, even if the king and the witches permit them to live, said the good sorceress. I wish I might help them. Can I do anything? asked the scarecrow. If so, tell me what to do, and I'll do it at once. For a few moments, Glinda did not reply, but sat musing over the records. Then she said, I'm going to send you to Jinxland to protect Trot and Button Bright and Cap'n Bill. All right, answered the Scarecrow in a cheerful voice. I know Button Bright already, for he's been in the Land of Oz before. You remember he went away from the Land of Oz in one of our wizard's big bubbles? Yes, said Glinda. I remember that. Then she carefully instructed the Scarecrow what to do and gave him certain magical things which he placed in the pockets of his ragged munchkin coat. And if you have no time to sleep, she said, you may as well start at once. Well, the night is the same as the day to me, he replied, except that I can't see my way so well in the dark. I'll furnish a light to guide you, promised the sorceress. So the scarecrow bade her goodbye and at once started on his journey. By morning he had reached the mountains that separated the Quadling country from Jinxland. The sides of these mountains were too steep to climb, but the scarecrow took a small rope from his pocket and tossed one end upward into the air. The rope unwound itself for hundreds of feet until it caught upon a peak of rock at the very top of the mountain, for it was a magic rope furnished to him by Glinda. The scarecrow climbed the rope and, after pulling it up, let it down on the other side of the mountain range. When he had descended the rope on this side, he found himself in Jinxland, but at his feet yawned the Great Gulf, which he must cross before he could proceed any farther. The scarecrow knelt down and examined the ground carefully, and in a moment he discovered a fuzzy brown spider that had rolled itself into a ball. So he took two tiny pills from his pocket and laid them beside the spider, which unrolled itself quickly and ate the pills. Then the scarecrow said in a voice of command, Spin! And the spider obeyed instantly. 
In a few moments, the little creature had spun two slender but strong strands that reached way across the gulf, one being five or six feet above the other. When these were completed, the scarecrow started across the tiny bridge, walking upon one strand as a person walks upon a rope and holding the upper strand with his hands to prevent him from losing his balance and toppling over into the gulf. The tiny threads held him safely, thanks to the strength given them by the magic pills. Presently, he was safe across and standing on the plains of Jinxland. Far away, he could see the towers of the king's castle, and toward this, he at once began to walk. <laughs>